Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 19th of June 2016, entitled, A Debt to Our Fathers. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-9. to Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand this morning to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word taken from 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice." Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Father, we thank you again for your word. We pray now, Lord, that your blessing would be upon it, that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. I would like to particularly wish our dads that are here today a very happy Father's Day. I think many times for those preaching on these days, it is, uh, it is a very complicated thing sometimes to do. We live in a fallen and very complicated world. Special times like Mother's Day and Father's Day oftentimes remind us of that sad reality. Not everybody comes from a loving home. Not everybody comes from a Christian home. I know that even in this small group here this morning, I know that there are those out there that can praise and thank God for the homes you came from, for the moms you had and the dads you had that raised you with all the love that you could possibly ever need and want. But I know there are also some of you that did not have that. I know that even as we gather here today, there are some of you that still have your dads with you, and there are some like myself that no longer have that great privilege. It's an emotional time for many of us. There are things that can be heartbreaking for us because many of us miss our dads greatly. <laughs> and you know, there's with all the love and everything in all the world, there's nobody that can ever take the place of your mom or your dad. They are unique and they are special to you. 
I always tell myself on days like this that I'm going to be real manly and I'm not going to, uh, uh, to get up here and, and, uh, and shed tears, but I often can't help that. You know, we ought not to actually want to put that away because the reason that sometimes it breaks our hearts is, is because we've been loved so much. We've known such a great love. If you happen to be in a situation where maybe you've never known that dad or you've never had that close relationship and that love has never been there, then the hurt will not be nearly as bad. I'm glad because the more you love, the more it hurts. The thing is we can have an absolute confidence today when those dads have been God's children as well. And we've got all of eternity to spend with them. And I can promise you this. As much as I love my dad, as much as I miss my dad, I would not bring him back to this world for anything. <laughs> I would just rather go to see him there as soon as that opportunity arises. But we still celebrate th these days, and we ought to, first because even the Bible tells us that we are to honor our fathers and our mothers. The Bible tells us very clearly in, in Romans chapter 13 and verse 7 that we are to give honor to whom honor is due. You see, some of you here this morning say, well, you know, my dad doesn't deserve any honor. My dad was terrible to me. My dad was horrible to me. I don't, I don't have good memories of my dad, but I hope that when we look at a few things in God's Word this morning that even you can find that even the worst dad in the world deserves a certain honor in some ways. And today when there are those that don't deserve honor in other areas, there are those that do, and we ought not to withhold the honor from those that honor is due because of those that haven't. Secondly, amidst all the trouble and everything that we, that we have all around us, the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians Chapter 4, notice what he says there beginning in verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. That literally is to be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Folks, this world is full of trouble. We don't have to look for it. We don't even have to go looking for it. It's there. But God's telling us he can give us a peace that passes all understanding to think, to cherish the good things, the lovely things in life. 
So often our mind gets on all of the, the negative and all the bad and everything, and we want to feel sorry for ourselves. But God said, look, I know you live in a troubled world, but there's a lot of beauty in the Lord. There's a lot of lovely things. There's a lot of fantastic. That's why it's so vital. You know, as a dad, I can honestly say that if I could go back in time, there is absolutely no way in the world that I would spend one minute less with my children. But you know what? I'd try my hardest to create even more good memories, memories for them to hold on to, memories that they could cherish for a lifetime. The Bible also tells us in the book of Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse, verse 15, the Bible says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. You see, another way, reason that we should celebrate today is because of those of us here that can rejoice in our dads and those memories. But at the same time, we may weep at the loss that we don't have them anymore. And maybe there are those here today that weep because they wish they'd had better memories with their dad. Well, the Bible says as believers, as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, for those that can rejoice, we ought to want to join in the rejoicing with them. For those that weep, we should want to slip our arms around their shoulders. We should want to weep them. We, would, we should want to be there to be a comfort to them. And then, of course, our scripture reading for today said there in verse 6 in 1 Peter chapter 1, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season. And he goes on and he talks about the, the temptations and the trials of our faith and all of these things, but we find that he brings us back that in the end, what we're going to have in Jesus Christ for his return, he is coming for us. And he goes on to say down there to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I mean literally a joy that is so great that there aren't even words to define it or to describe it. So fathers that might be with us here today, I want to say thank you. And I want to say thank you that as a father that you can be found in God's house today. And for all of us as we look into God's word on this special day, I want you to know something else. Oh, if you're blessed to have had a godly father, as I did, there's a lot to praise and thank God for. <laughs> and if that hurts a bit today because they're not here, just rejoice in the fact <laughs> that one day you'll see them again. And if you don't have that assurance and that confidence in your heart because you don't know with certainty that God the Father is your Father, then I pray that today you can make that certain before you leave this place today. And if you're here, and if you're saddened for other reasons because maybe you don't have that memory, that heritage that some are blessed with, then I want to remind you today also, oh, you do have. You can have a heavenly Father that can love you like no other in all the world, that'll be there for you no matter what, no matter what ups and downs and hills you may come through. And I'm going to try briefly to give you seven things this morning 
Our simple thought is a debt to our fathers. We're honoring dads today. We have a gratitude of, a debt of gratitude to, to pay to them, to offer them, and regardless of what the past may have been, I want you to know that we owe a great debt of gratitude to our Heavenly Father as well. I'm going to give you four simple words that begin with L's this morning that will show us why that we owe a great debt. This is just a few simple thoughts that, that I have been able to take from this passage here in 1 Peter. And first of all, I want you to remember and realize this morning that we owe a great debt to both our earthly and heavenly fathers for that simple word, life. <laughs> life, the very life that you have been given this morning. You see, the verses that we read here are being written to those who are the children of God the Father. Specifically, he says, to the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That's who he's writing to. God knew and planned every birth, both physical and spiritual. He said, I'm writing to all of you that know God is your Father, that knew you before this world was ever created, and that had a plan for you and a plan for your life. You know, it's exciting when we begin to plan in this life. When we know that that new baby is coming along, it is an exciting time. And we start making all these plans, and sometimes it means paint on the wall and new furniture and new clothes and all these things to make that life for that new baby special. But it's almost mind-boggling to think that with all the millions and millions and millions of people that have been born, God the Father knew you individually, and he planned for you for your life, and he planned for you to have a life with him for all of eternity when you would never have to be separated from him. He says here, through what he has done, sanctification, the, the sprinkling of the blood through grace, we are his children because of what he has done for us. You had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. We exist today because of what he did. You exist today because of what your heavenly Father did and planned for you in eternity past. But may I say today, today, regardless of what memories you may have, past or present, with your earthly Father, if you owe him honor for nothing else today, you owe him honor for the life that you have, that you are here, right here with us this morning. Every father in this world is unique. Every human being is unique. You could not exist. If your dad had been any other human being, you would not be who you are. So for the life that you have and what you do with it, you owe him for that life. Verse 3 says, hath begotten us again. God the Father hath begotten us again. That's another birth. That's a second birth. God the Father was responsible for the original life that you have, but he is responsible for the new birth, begetting you again, making you his child for all of eternity. Note the wording of this verse describing that new birth. By his mercy, 
through the work of Christ. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God gave you life initially when he created it, but he's given you life again through Jesus Christ and what he accomplished because of his mercy to give us the first birth, that natural birth. God used your earthly father to give you the life that you have. Doesn't matter how good or bad a man that he was, you were created through that man on this earth. We find that he deserves honor for that. But we can not only be begotten of that man, but God made it possible for you to be begotten again, begotten by him, to be his child. Today, we honor our fathers, both earthly and heavenly, for the lives that we have been given we owe them a debt of gratitude for the first birth that God gave us in the natural life through those earthly fathers and for the second birth and that living hope that he's either already given you and that you know right now through Jesus Christ or that he is offering you clearly right here today. He's saying, I don't care what your earthly father was like. I made you, I created you, I made you who you are and I use that man to bring you into this life but I'm offering you to be begotten again, to have another birth, a spiritual birth, where I will be your father, and I will be there forever. I'll never forsake you. I'll never do anything to harm you. I will always be there with you. I think one of the hardest things, as, I don't want to say an old man. I'm not an old man, am I? As a more mature man than I used to be. You know, there are so many things that I would change in life if I could. But one of the things that I think I would change the most is just to be a better husband and a better dad. <laughs> I wish I hadn't wasted so many of those moments that could have been so much more. You know, <laughs> I'm an old sinful, fleshly man that made an awful lot of mistakes in life. But you know, the Heavenly Father, he'll never stumble like I've stumbled. <laughs> he'll never one time say the crossword that he shouldn't have said. He'll never not be where he should be today. Thank God if you've got an earthly father that through him you've been given the life that you've been given. But oh, I want you to grasp this morning. He deserves honor for that. Give honor where honor is due. Whether he deserves honor for anything else or not, he deserves honor for that. May I say today, your heavenly Father, he deserves all the honors we remember him today, and he is offering you to be your Father. We sang that great song earlier, how deep the Father's love for us. <laughs> He's offering to love you in such a way that even the very best of all earthly fathers could never love you. Today, we owe our dad, dads a debt of gratitude, first of all, for life. Second of all, for learning. <laughs> that learning that has been instilled in you. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification 
of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood. That sanctification, that setting apart, that cleansing of us, that obedience, those are all things in the spiritual, but they're also in the natural as well. You know, we just got through in our 30-some series on the series in, in Genesis, disobedience. <laughs> all the bad, all the horror, when it comes right down to it, whatever bad is in your life, it all came about because of disobedience in the garden that brought about the fall of mankind. Disobedience in the garden separated us from that close fellowship that God wanted to have with us. It disturbed that fellowship. It'll do the same with our earthly fathers. God the Father teaches us through his word the importance both of obedience to him and obedience to our earthly fathers. Our earthly fathers teach us obedience obedience to themselves, but hopefully, if they're a godly father, teaching you also the importance of obedience to your heavenly father. Consider this also, folks. Your father has taught you some things one way or the other. He can teach us from the positive, but he can also teach us from the negatives. We can learn from a good example of what we should do than how we should do it. We can learn from the things that are done well, but we can also learn from the consequences of things that have been done wrong. We can learn from our fathers. We can learn from his exhortation, his words, what he says, the things that he teaches us, the wisdom that he tries to pass on, but we also learn from his example. Where's God the Father? is the greatest example that we can ever have. But we find that it's earthly fathers that try to follow his example that will set the greatest example down here. We learn, as we saw in that clip earlier, we learn, we learn obedience. We learn communication, how to talk and how not to talk. <laughs> you know, there were some times when, uh, when my dad was teaching me how to be polite and the right, right and the nice things to say to some people. But there was also times when I saw that finger come out. He said, you better not say that again, boy. <laughs> he taught me the positive and the negative. We learn from the things that are good and the things that are bad, but we owe an honor to our dads today for the learning that has been instilled within us. But you know, he not only teaches us to communicate here, a godly father teaches us to communicate with our heavenly father. Prayer, prayer. When we know by their example that they believe in prayer, when we know by their example that they pray for us and they pray with us, they teach us the importance. You'll never stay close to anybody that you're not talking to. You need to communicate. You know, one of the things I encourage people so much, and I, I made the comment this past Wednesday because, again, with so many of our people being away, I think we had the lowest turnout on Wednesdays that I can remember not in months but in years. But, you know, we still prayed together. We had that communication with our Lord. And I made the statement to them there. I said, I encourage people how important the prayer meeting is because we can not only share the things that we appreciate, the things we need to praise God for, 
We can share the things, the burdens that we've got, the difficulties we're facing right now. But you know something else? Try it sometime. It is very, very hard to be mad at somebody that you're down on your knees beside their holding their hand praying with them. <laughs> it's hard. You see, a church can go in all kind of different directions of splendor, but I promise you that I told them, I said, you know, they used to say when I was growing up, the family that prays together stays together. Guess what? The church family that prays together stays together as well. Our fathers, we learn from them. One of the things we learn is to communicate not only with each other, but with God. We learn to love. We learn to give. We learn to put others before ourselves. I'm saying today that we, we owe a debt to our fathers because of the life that has been given to us because of the learning that's been instilled within us. But may I say thirdly, and as a kid, I really loved this one because of the leniency that is shown. <laughs> you see, what does it also say there in verse 3? According to his what? Abundant mercy. <laughs> God the Father has abundant mercy. Do you know that if God didn't have mercy and show you grace, there would be absolutely no possibility of any hope for the future? Thank God for his mercy and his grace. He's not our father because we deserve it or because we earn it. I've said many times and I say again today, I don't have any earthly idea why God wanted me for a son. <laughs> he could have picked a whole lot of cases that would have been a whole lot easier. But he chose you and he chose me. And he chose us before the foundation of the world to be his children. How many times do we quote that first? For by grace are you saved through faith. By grace. There is no other way except God's mercy, God's grace. We call out for mercy and he gives us grace. They're the opposite sides of the same coin. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. <laughs> For by grace are you saved through faith. There's only one path. There's only one way. There is no other way to get to God's grace except through faith, except by believing him. God wants to be your heavenly father today. And he can't be your heavenly father because you'll be the perfect child or because you've done anything to deserve it. He'll be your heavenly father because you exercise your faith and believe in him. Believe and trust. What was it that he said there? According to his abundant mercy, begotten us again. He just got through telling us in the verse before, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Because of the fact that Jesus Christ died on Calvary for you. His pure and undefiled blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat for you. That's the only price that could ever pay for your sins. Believe that. Trust in that. Believe and trust in that living hope that he says that is yours because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus paid the sin debt of all your sins. He conquered death. He rose again so that you can rise again and have life for all of eternity. Thank God. 
Thank God also for our earthly fathers that are not only our fathers when we deserve it, but that are our fathers no matter what. <laughs> for earthly fathers that show us the grace that God has taught them. They show us that leniency, the mercy when we deserve it. I've told folks before that, I, you know, children learn really quick, and I knew growing up, I knew that when I wanted to do something and I wasn't sure what mom and dad would say, I knew that if I needed a quick answer and I didn't have much time, I'd go straight to mom because chances were she would say yes a lot quicker than dad would. <laughs> but I knew this. No, I'm sorry, I got that back. If I needed a quick answer, I went to dad <laughs> because I knew he didn't worry about things as much as mom did. <laughs> He'd be quicker to say, yes, mom would be worried about this. You know, it's just like when I went to join the Air Force, the only thing negative she was thinking about was I was going to go off to the jungles of Vietnam and get blown away and her son was going to be gone. <laughs> but I also knew this. If I had a bit of time on my hands, don't ever tell her this, I could talk her into anything just about. <laughs> if I just had the time, I could coerce her and I could bring her around. And I knew that, you know. <laughs> so children began to know exactly how to get through to us. You see, there was times when, whether it was mom or dad, my dad had a firm hand. My dad was, was quick to react when we did something wrong. But there's so many times that he showed me leniency. I deserved a lot more punishment than what I got, even though I didn't like what I did get. You see, we owe our fathers. We owe them a debt today because of life, because of learning, because of leniency, if you would, mercy and grace, but fourthly, because of livelihood, because not just giving us life, but that livelihood that is, that is sustained. What does he say there in verse 4? We've been born to an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You see, here on this earth, if we're blessed to have earthly fathers that are following the example of the heavenly father, we're sustained day by day. You saw some of that in that clip through their, their hard work and their sacrifices. And, you know, I saw, I, I saw some others. I was really struggling because when I was looking for just something visual to help pay tribute to our fathers today, it's hard sometimes to put what's in the heart into words. But I chose that because maybe I was being a little bit selfish, but because I was thinking, yes, what did my dad leave behind? <laughs> and the two of the things, the legacies right there at the end was one, godly wisdom, and the other one was love. You know, boy, <laughs> there were so many times during those years of raising up my dad, I knew. I knew as they talked, you know, he was one of those that went out and worked hard so that he could put food on the table for us kids, so that he could put a, a roof over our heads, so that we could have the things that we needed. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own household, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. There is no such thing as a man living a godly life, and not taking care of his family. It can't. It can't be. 
The Bible says if he's not provided for his own house, he has denied the faith, and he's worse than an infidel, a lost person, a person that, that's never been saved. He's worse than that lost person out there because as a child of God, he's supposed to know better. But he's denied the very faith that saved him, and he's worse than that lost person. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Well, here God the Father is talking about when we have that, that second birth because of what Jesus has done for us, that that which is going to sustain us is an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled, and it fades on a way it's reserved for you in heaven. In the Old Testament, much importance was placed upon leaving the inheritance behind. I'd have fit in good there because it always went to the oldest son. Amen. It was left to the oldest son. But it was vital. It was so important that they do that. But, you know, when we go back to the Old Testament, the nation of Israel had earthly promises. They were promised Canaan here. They were promised their things here on this earth. But as we move into the New Testament, we, move something, we find something else. We then have heavenly promises rather than earthly promises. We see suddenly the emphasis switches from a physical inheritance to the spiritual inheritance. Even with the verse that we have before us here, an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, fades not away, totally contrary to the inheritance here upon this earth. You see, an earthly father that's remotely interested in following God, he will provide the livelihood to sustain his family upon this earth. And it's only a natural thing that he would desire to leave an inheritance behind that would help sustain them even after he departs from this earth. And we owe him a great debt of gratitude for that. But however, the Bible is trying to teach us in the New Testament, our real inheritance is not upon this earth. That one that is incorruptible, that is undefiled, that never fades away, that is reserved for capital Y, capital O, capital U, you in heaven if you are God's child. We find that that should be the focus. You see, that should be the focus even of our earthly fathers to leave us an inheritance that will last forever not just to leave us some money in the bank here, but to leave us something that will last for all of eternity is certainly the inheritance that our Heavenly Father has promised you. It's the one that as God's child, He says it's reserved for you and it's there for you for when you get there. I say today, we honor our fathers. We honor them today for the debt of gratitude that we owe them for life, for learning, leniency for the livelihood that they supply for us. May I say, according to verse 5 here, also for longevity, something that's going to last, something that's going to be there. What does he say in verse 5? Who are, what's the next word in your Bible? Kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 
You see, God's not just storing up an inheritance for me in heaven that's reserved for me, but he's promised he's going to keep me secure and he's going to get me there to where I can actually enjoy it in this life. I honestly believe that one of the greatest sources of security that any child has is their home. The confidence of knowing that they're safe there, that they're secure there. Knowing that anything out there, no matter what, in order to get to them, it's got to come through both mom and dad first. Nobody can bother them. Nobody can hurt them. They are secure in that. <laughs> I've met very few children. And when it came down to it, and they're on the playground of school, and you know what? My dad can beat your dad. <laughs> My dad can do it better than your dad. <laughs> My, their dad can do anything in the world better than anybody else's dad. And their dad can beat your dad up too. <laughs> there can't nothing touch their dad. Of course, they're only about five or six years old at that time, maybe seven, eight. As they get a little bit older, they begin to find out that, well, dad's not quite indestructible. <laughs> But what I want you to know is they're secure because they know that they're protected. They're protected in that home, in that environment that's, that's created for them there. They believe that they can be kept by the power of their dad, that their dad can protect them. And they've got absolute faith and belief in that. I told some of them, of course, that young brown-headed preacher that came here many, many years ago, and he had, had, a, had, a, had a, little, a little lad. Amber wasn't, didn't even exist yet then. She hadn't even thought of yet then. But Tyler was just barely out of diapers. And I remember as an, as an illustration one time setting him up here on, on this, literally just standing there on the edge of that. And I'm standing back here and I said, jump. What did he do? He just jumped. Now, when he jumped, I could have <laughs> jumped back and <laughs> watched him splatter on the concrete here. <laughs> that never entered his mind. He never even thought that dad wouldn't catch him. <laughs> he just jumped without any hesitation. You see, I'm saying we are a debt of gratitude for our earthly dads that have offered us that security of us feeling safe and protected. But of course, our eternal security lies in the fact that we just read here that we are kept by the power of of God. Nobody can take me away from my heavenly father. Nobody can get to me. I'm kept by the power of God through faith, the same faith that saves us, he says here, ready to be revealed in the last time. Guess what? <laughs> when you get there at the end, if you're a Christian, you're going to have to see me too. <laughs> God's revealed me right to the very end. That's where I I'm going to be. We'll be there the last day when you know what? Everything around us that we see is going to be gone. <laughs> None of this temporal stuff will be there. But I'll be there with my heavenly Father. Let's honor our earthly fathers today for the security they offer us, but let's honor our heavenly Father for the security that he gives us forever. I like this one. I'm going to give you these last two quickly. Listen. We owe them a debt of gratitude for laughter. <laughs> laughter that's inspired 
What did he say there in verse 6? Wherein ye greatly rejoice. What did he say down there at the end of verse 8? Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Here, wherein ye greatly rejoice. In what? In all these things that we've seen. All of these things are what makes us to be able. In our Father and all that He is and all that He does, in our Heavenly Father, we greatly rejoice because of all these things. We rejoice in the fact that in the end, through all the temptations, through all the trials that we might go through, in the end, He's going to be there for us every step of the way. Even, He says here, when I, even when I can't see Him right now, I know He's there and I know I know he's coming for me. There's no doubt about it. In this life, knowing that amidst whatever tough times you might have to go through, if you've got a dad that you know you can count on that's going to be there for you, given the honor that's due, it's phenomenal. And when it seems that things are so bad, I know moms do it too. But a dad that can just be there and maybe give you that hug, give you that peck on the cheek, tell you that everything's going to be all right, and then say something really stupid and off the cuff that you can't help but smile about or laugh about. <laughs> the laughter. As we look back, we think of the laughter that our dad's brought just for being there for us. We're not alone. And on the spiritual side of things, Jesus, always there for you, always right by your side, no matter what you're going through, even though you can't see him face to face. You know, I can't see my dad face to face anymore, but I know he's there. And I know at the last day I'll see him again, just like when I see Jesus. You know, right now, probably the second person that I'd like to see when I get to heaven after Jesus is my dad. <laughs> I can't see him face-to-face -face down here anymore. I say, you know, I, I can look at that portrait on the wall and I can be reminded. I thought of something pretty astounding this week, and I don't know what brought it to mind. I don't even remember. I'm just thinking about Father's Day coming up. This is the first Father's Day in my life when I've spent more of my earthly life without my dad than I did with my dad. <laughs> I was 30 years old when he left this world. I turned 60 last year. This, this, I've, I've passed that point to where I've spent more of this earthly life since he left than I did all the years that I had with him. But you know what? For the last 30 years, he still never left me. He's still there. He's there in my heart. I can still remember. And you know, our kids better than most people. They see the mess-ups. They see the failings. They see the shortcomings. They learn real quick. <laughs> we're not God, and we're certainly not <laughs> all that God meant for us to be and all that we can be in Him. But I remember speaking at my dad's funeral, saying, you know, <laughs> you know, with all the imperfections and everything else, I never doubted. I never doubted what this, this last word that I want to give you folks, the love that is exhibited. <laughs> Whom having not seen, he says, you love. <laughs> the love of a father is something 
that is present whether he's physically present with you or not. Even when he's not there physically, that love, the love from the past, the love from the present, the love that will always be there for the future. As a matter of fact, I think I could honestly say that everything else that I have mentioned here today, that love is the hinge for all of it. There is no greater motive in all this world for our gratitude today. There's no greater debt that we owe, no greater foundation in which to build our lives on. One final passage, and I know that I read it frequently because <laughs> it means a lot to me. First Corinthians or First John chapter three. First John chapter three says, beginning in verse sixteen, hereby perceive we the love of God. Hereby we see, we know the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath the world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? How can you possibly think that the love of God is in you when you can see others hurting and needful and, and not have compassion for them. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. There is no greater sign of God than love. God is love. He says, you know that I love you because I gave my life for you. But God says that when he's living within us, there's two things that he wants, first of all, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then that the love of God may just shine through our lives. I give you this illustration. The year would have been 1970, 1971. January, February, there was snow on the ground. Because it had snowed, the schools had all been called off, and there was no school that day. There was a 15-year-old young man there, and he had been entrusted with a set of keys, a set of keys that would open the doors of the high school that he went to. <laughs> and on this snowy day and nothing, and it happened to be, believe it or not, a number of young people from the same church, young guys, out having a laugh because they didn't have to be in school that day. They ended up at the school. They ended up inside the school. <laughs> and then there were some of those guys that decided, well, we're in here. We may as well go ahead and uh, 
help ourselves to some of the money that's kept in the freezer back there. They actually removed the door from the walk-in freezer and went in and got the money box and left. And this 15-year-old lad didn't take any part in that. He was just there with them. But they left that day. And as a matter of fact, that 15-year-old lad felt so guilty that even when they split up the money, he wouldn't take a penny of it. There was something inside that was eating what he knew that it was so wrong. And some time went by, and it seemed that they'd gotten away with this. But probably just maybe two months later or something like that, that same 15-year-old young man was sitting there practicing his piano lessons like a good boy's supposed to do on the piano in the living room. And as he was sitting there practicing, a body came up and sat down on the piano stool beside him. He just kept on playing, didn't really think a lot about it at the moment, but then he glanced over, and he saw that that person that had sat down beside him was his dad. But he saw something about his dad that day. He saw these big tears rolling down his cheek. <laughs> his dad had trouble speaking to him for a bit. <laughs> but then his dad spoke some words, something like this. He said, son, he said, I want you to do something for me. He said, whatever you've done or haven't done, he said, please, please be honest with me. And he looked straight at me, and he said, son, did you have anything to do with breaking in the high school down there? And uh, I don't know how anybody could lie in a case like that. That 15-year-old boy just dropped his head, and he felt super, super shame. And he kind of expected his dad to be pretty, pretty angry, to say the least. <laughs> but instead, his dad began to cry harder. <laughs> and he said, well, you know what? He said, he said, we need to go down to the police station. You need to own up to this. He said, I found out through one of the others. He said, you need to own up to what you've done. And so he takes me down to the police station, and we go in, and I... Signed up all the stuff that I was supposed to sign, admitting to what happened. Well, you know, a lot of things happen in the court and all this stuff that, that in the end that, uh, you know, they were lenient with that young man because he had never been in trouble before. He hadn't even taken any of the money and all these different things, but that didn't change the shame that was felt inside. But, you know, I remember an awful lot of things there are a few things that I remember from my childhood more than the love and the grace that was being shown to a young man that didn't deserve it. <laughs> and you know what hurt me the most about all that? It wasn't what might, they might do to me. What hurt me the most was what they might think about my dad. <laughs> you know, they know I'm his son, and they know I've done this. And so... The following Sunday, he didn't know it. That young man in church that Sunday, and it was it was packed out. It wasn't a huge church, but there was definitely well 120, 130 people there that Sunday morning, and that young man had to get up from his seat and go up into the pulpit and apologize to that church because he didn't want them to think that his dad was responsible for that in any way. And you know, the truth is, is 
that's something that taught me a lesson that <laughs> I'm not sure anything else in all the world could have taught me. But one thing, the only other time that I felt that same kind of shame as that 15-year-old young man was when I was 21 years old. <laughs> And I was in that same church, and I was sitting on the second row back, and as a backslidden Christian. And as I sat there that morning, the thoughts that were going through me is, boy, how I've disgraced my Heavenly Father. I mean, people see me, and they know I'm supposed to be a Christian, and yet living the way that I've been living. And I can remember two things specifically about those two events, the few things in my life are more vivid in my heart. I don't even know how I got from that pew to that altar, but I know that everything within me, just like I had to get up and ask that church, please, please don't hold what this foolish young man has done against my dad. You know, that was my testimony that day. Please, Lord, (laughs) I'm sorry that I've shamed you so much. I'm sorry that I've let you down so much. Folks, the love between a son or a daughter and their father is something special. And if you can know it as I've known in both the earthly life and the spiritual life, that is special indeed. But I want you to know here this morning that Whatever your experience is in the earthly life, there's one that wants to be your heavenly father. And he wants to love you more than you've ever been loved. And he wants to be there with you no matter what you have to go through, no matter where you are in this world. He wants to be right there with you. And if you know him this morning, maybe, maybe the question is, have you been honoring your father as you ought to. Do you maybe here this morning, are you here and you don't know for certain? I'm not asking you if you've got religion or anything. I'm asking you, do you know that God in heaven is your heavenly Father? Because if you don't know that today, there's no better day than Father's Day to make Him your Father. Maybe you need to come today like that 21-year-old young man. Maybe you need to reclaim the relationship because you've allowed things to break that fellowship, to break the harmony of that relationship between you and your heavenly Father. Maybe today there's things you need to get right with your earthly father. Maybe today you just need to thank him. (laughs) You know, one of the greatest ways that you can Thank your Father is by simply those three words, I love you. By simply allowing, whether it's your heavenly Father or your earthly Father, to see the things in your life that honor what he's tried to teach you, even if he hasn't done it perfectly, show him that it matters by living the life that he's wanted you to live. Today, I can promise you that God is here for you. Maybe if somebody would go back into the children's church and uh, get Shelly to come out, please, and begin to, uh, to play for us on the uh, 
on the piano. We're going to stand and we're going to sing three verses. You've been good. I preached a bit longer than usual this morning, but you're not used to getting out of church before this. We usually sing more. We didn't have any specials today. (laughs) But I hope that today that you can remember on this Father's Day that there are fathers that deserve to, to be honored. And if nothing else from this passage, they need to be honored for life, for learning, for leniency, for livelihood, for longevity, for laughter, and simply for love. If you're here today, we're going to sing the great old hymn, Just As I Am. You know, that's how God wants you. He doesn't, you don't need to worry about straightening something out so that you can deserve God. He wants to be your father just like you are. He's not wanting you to make some theological or religious confession to do better. He just wants you to come to him just like you are. So if you're here this morning, if you don't know God in heaven is your heavenly father, would you come as we sing these verses? If you just want to thank God and you want to pray, the altar is open for you. Come and thank him. If there's anything that you need, we're here for you to talk with you, to pray with you as we stand and as we sing together, just as I am.